Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Kings, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to the chariot and join him. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of God for the world. And there, of course, he waits, I guess, the next directive. 
And in the meantime, we hear that there's this Ethiopian eunuch who was in a court, a court official for the Candace. This was the queen of Ethiopia. And he has come to worship in Jerusalem. And all we know at this point is that he has come and he's on his way back. He's in a chariot sitting, reading the scroll of Isaiah. And at this point, on the road, Philip and the eunuch intersect. And the spirit says to Philip, hey, get up and join him. And so he goes, and he looks at what he's reading and says, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, well, how can I unless someone tells me? At which point he <laughs> tells about this lamb to the slaughter, about Jesus, beginning in that scripture. And it says he told him the good news. And then, I love it, we have this dialogue we don't know about, and there's this transformation. And at some point, the eunuch sees water, which is a miracle in itself, in this desert region, and says, there's water. Is anything to prevent me from being baptized? Well, apparently the answer is no, and Philip baptizes him into full inclusion in the community. It's this wonderful story, and yet, you know, I think so many times these gospel and act stories become these two-dimensional characters, Philip the eunuch. And so today, I'm, I'm hoping to sort of, again, use some liberty in the text and kind of flesh these out a little more three-dimensionally. I believe this story is about two seekers. I know in this community of faith, we are allowed to be seekers. It's okay to be open and honest about our struggle, about who Jesus is and what he means, about where we are at in our faith journey. And sometimes we walk in these doors and our faith feels like it's on shifting sand. And so I hope that this morning this will be a word for all of us. I want to start with Ethiopian eunuch. Notice that he's not named throughout the story. He's an Ethiopian and he's a eunuch. And later he's just going to be called a eunuch. And I think it's really this unnamedness is to highlight the fact that, yes, he's from Ethiopia, this far distance. He is the outsider. You know the little pictures of for kids say, which one of these doesn't belong? It's like, okay, circle this black man, this eunuch here, he sticks out like a sore thumb. I think that's why he is not given a name. And so, just a little background about what a eunuch is. And by the way, if you want a great memory verse, try Deuteronomy 23.1. The eunuch was the outcast. He was the part that would become part of a royal court, but they didn't trust these people especially commoners, to be part of the royal court, the royal family, if you were to um, be a protector or entrusted with the treasury. So they were castrated. They were sexually altered so that there was no question that the royal line was diluted. So a eunuch became a part of these royal courts. In fact, in this case, it's possible, we don't know, that this man gave up this desire for a family and a community and descendants, which was very important in this day and time, pursuing what he thought was a really good advancement, a job to 
to be in this court. We don't know. We don't really know. But perhaps he thought this was a way to acquire some, some power, some stability, some wealth, status. Perhaps he was seeking the fast-track success, not different than how Michael describes his fellow New Yorkers in the city madly, hotly pursuing these fast and high-level professions and having to give up dreams of family. But somehow, the job, as it always happens for the eunuch, wasn't enough. There was something insatiable in his soul that made him a seeker, a seeker of truth, beauty, of love, and acceptance. And so he becomes interested in this God of Israel that he hears about. And in fact, he, he becomes so, has this craving about him to learn about this God of Israel that he forms this trip to Jerusalem, which is no short distance. And perhaps he spent a long time preparing, and this was a very dangerous trip. So this shows some great intentionality, great planning, and great devotion on his part. So imagine this great hope that he goes, hoping for this worship experience, this new religion. Have you ever had that? When you always thought, when you came to some point in your life, that you would find completion. You'd find that those appetites would abate just a little bit. That you would find wholeness, shalom, satisfaction, complete happiness. Maybe you felt that at the wedding altar, or when you held your first child, or when you got that job you longed for, or when the debt was finally paid off. Or when the kids finally left for college. Or when retirement finally came. And what happens when your searching heart comes back empty? I believe it's at this pinnacle of seeking and searching that the Ethiopian unit comes to Jerusalem. And imagine his great devastation when he's told, because you're a eunuch, because you are castrated, because you are sexually deviant, because you're not part of the gender binary system, you are not accepted. In fact, it says that you're not even allowed in the temple ritual. And I know you worked really hard and you had a to-do list and you planned, and you gave up money, and you made sacrifices to make this trip, but you can't even come into the temple. And it's wonderful that, that you have this new faith, and you want to come and be a part, but actually, you're only always going to be on the fringe. You're never going to be allowed to be full part of the Israelite I can't even imagine the devastation, feeling ripped open, the total deflation, rejection. And I can't help but wonder as as he leaves and, and is in this chariot and opening 
reading this Isaiah scroll that he said, God, if you're there, how many of us done this? If you're there, give me a sign. Send someone to help me. Let there be a way through. Because I'm putting it all on you. I think he was on his last proverbial leg of faith, that is. And along comes Peter, Philip. We've been with Peter a long time. But this is Philip, and he's no star, okay? He's, maybe he's got some street cred, but he's not clergy. He's not distinctive. He's a commoner. He's a layperson. Shoot. Again, he was ordained to feed the widows. And yes, he's walked in the spotlight lately, spreading the good news in Samaria, doing some signs and wonders and ushering in baptisms. But who knows? Sometimes the darkest and gnarliest places happen after those powerful experiences. We know that to be true for Jesus after his baptism was ushered into the wilderness, tempted by Satan for 40 days. Maybe it was a blow to Philip's ego, if you remember the story last week, that Peter and John had to come down and legitimate the whole experience. What am I, chopped liver? I don't know. Whatever place he was internally, Luke wants us to know, if you look at this text, when it says, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza, what does your Bible say after that? This is a wilderness road. There's no reason to say that. And yet, this is included by Luke, I believe, with great intentionality, to say Philip is on his way in this, in this desert place. Maybe it was a struggle. Maybe, God, if I was told to go somewhere and not know where and when and why, I would be in a wilderness place. And notice what happens next. I love this. Nadia Boltz-Weber in her commentary on this text says, did you see all of the encounters between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch are questions. Every time they talk in dialogue, it's in question form. Notice who has the command or speaks and directives, the Holy Spirit. But when these two individuals, Philip and the Ethiopian unit, get together, they ask questions. Do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless someone tells me? And then there's this great line, of course, well, is there anything to prevent me from being baptized? So there's this great dialogue of questions, which I think is just a beautiful picture of seeking, of seeking, asking. It's a good point for us to hold out curiosity and ask good questions when we are in a place of faith, seeking understanding. And we do know from verse 35 that Philip takes this opportunity to explain the good news of Jesus. And I believe in... As Dick said, an unrecorded dialogue, I'm sure, that didn't include the four spiritual laws between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, that there was great connection, that stories combined and were shared. And I think, again, in my imagination, that 
Philip sees some of himself in the eunuch. This is what happens when people share their stories. They, they find commonality. I think he saw in the eunuch that longing for wholeness, that longing for completion, that longing for things to be satisfied and right. And he had tasted it, Philip had tasted it and known it. But to see it again, to see someone hungry and longing for inclusion, And he acted. He shared his story about how Christ had included him and and brought him to the table and and given him this new spirit, this Holy Spirit. And I think he told him about, in Christ, we, we get a new name, the name Beloved. That in Christ, we are told that we have a new purpose. And I believe that Philip, in sharing his story about the good news, he was revitalized. And then he said, this this meaning and purpose comes in Christ not being in the spotlight like he had been, Philip, not in being someone important, but the radical inclusion of Christ. Who knew ultimate exclusion? Who knew ultimate persecution? This is what I love about this part. Jesus was like the eunuch. He was cut off voluntarily. Who does that? Jesus was cut off. He was excluded. He was rejected. He was considered by many as unclean and for sure would never have future descendants. Not the physical kind. I love what one pastor said. In Jesus Christ, God has come as a leper for the lepers, a eunuch for the eunuchs. He becomes unclean so we can be eternally clean. He was cast out so that we can be brought in. This Christ gives of himself this self-emptying to say that you are okay now. You're accepted. You're loved. You're invited to the banquet. There's a place for you, eunuch. In fact, you're not just invited, you're wanted. I've made it possible. This is good news. I've made it possible. My grace is sufficient. This kingdom come includes you and can only come if it includes you. And whenever you get afraid, and those old messages start playing and you think you're not good enough, polished enough. That you don't like, not a part of the, the gender binary system. You are included. What's more is that Philip sees someone who has been excluded, who has been rejected by the religious establishment. And this guy, this eunuch, is all the more fervent in seeking and still not giving up on God, still reading this scroll from Isaiah and this chariot and hungry. He hasn't given up on God because of the bad witness. How much more does that enliven Philip's faith and encourage him? I think 
and Philip's retelling, it becomes his story again. He is converted again. You know, the, the story says, if you got the cheater Bible, you know, it says the Ethan eunuch is converted. Shall I say that? Bolt's Weber said it should say, and Philip was converted. <laughs> I think so. Because I know so because I'm converted every Sunday when I have to preach these texts. Every Sunday I'm converted. See, we don't just seek God once and find him once. We seek him all the time. We seek God all the time and find God. That's why I love this one pastor who says, faith is a team sport. Faith is a team sport. There are days when you come in here and your faith is on the ground. It's below the ground. It's non-existent. It is elusive. It slips through your fingers. And we need each other, those who are holding a little bit higher, feeling a little bit stronger, feeling connected. We need to lean on those people. We need to tell our stories to each other. This is how faith seeks understanding, and we do it well. Faith is a team sport. And so to, to focus on one of these characters over another, I think, misses the whole point. They're in the faith journey together, and they're made, included. This baptism would not have happened if they hadn't been together. That's what's so beautiful about this baptism. It is a total way of saying, unit, you are included in the family. That's what baptism is, saying you are included. You are a member. You are a member of the family of faith. So I don't know where you find yourself seeking today. Maybe you need some good news. But I think the story of Philip and the eunuch is the most hopeful we have. A very defining moment to expand those boundaries of the gospel. They're no longer contained in Jerusalem by the end of this story. They have spread to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, symbolized by the Ethiopian man. And so... No matter what kind of seeker you are, where you're at in the faith journey, the promise is Jesus says, if you seek me, you will find me. For all of our castrated souls, there is wholeness. For I can't help but when Philip got really excited... And that Isaiah scroll, he said, you know what? Turn that scroll three pages to the right. For he was in 53, but in 56, he says, I want you to read this part. And this is not just for the eunuch, it's for us. Hear this good news. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be a part of the people. And don't let the eunuch say, I'm a dried-up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy, 
and who chose and choose to do what pleased me and commit their lives to me, I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could ever give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. Friends, this is good news. That wherever we find ourselves not fitting into the system, not good enough, not polished enough, not clean enough, not righteous enough, not whole enough, not straight enough, whatever enough, we are given a new name in Christ. We're called to be part of the family, greater than sons and daughters could give. We've been given a true home, full inclusion, the life we've always been seeking. 